Welcome to the very first episode of AirPod.、Uh, you're joining me in a rather unorthodox location for this episode because I'm on tour with the Sussexes at the moment. But this is our first episode of the new series, a chance to get behind the headlines、uh, and hear stories from behind the palace walls and hear some illuminating conversation from the people that make those stories happen. Um, I'm not alone this first episode because I'm here with the lovely Maggie Rooley. Hi, Ellen. I'm so excited. <laughs> And I'm going to be joined by some some of the many friendly faces involved in the Royal Beats.、Uh, every episode, who will just sort of be guiding us through this very mad world—a mad world that you're quite new to now, Maggie. Yeah, I'm brand spanking new. You've showed me the way, but、uh, I have dove headfirst into this mad world. <laughs> It's been quite. A couple of weeks, actually,、yeah. for royals,、um, but not just on the Sussex front. We had Princess Beatrice's engagement、mm. announcement right in the middle of the tour. <laughs> It was exciting. It's kind of a double celebration. It was very exciting. The palace confirmed that、uh, Beatrice and Eduardo Mapelli Mozzi,、um, the property mogul, got engaged after just eleven months、wow. of dating. So quite quick.、Um, they got engaged. That's exciting. Yeah, they got engaged during a trip to Italy earlier this month. Also romantic. I know, lovely, and, and a crazy. Incredible ring that came with it.、Uh, three stones, all、mm. ethically and sustainably sourced from Botswana. Oh, so similar to, to、yeah. Meghan's ring as well, because the center stone, of course, was also from Botswana. The wedding is going to take place in 2020, and the palace are going to be. Dripping out details bit by bit <laughs> over the months ahead. I feel like we we're, we're never that far away from a royal birth or a royal wedding. Another、world. royal wedding. Sign me up. <laughs> Another chance well, to dress up. <laughs> exactly. This is not your. It won't be your first wedding that you're covering. In fact, for the for the listeners that are here, Maggie's just moved to London, and so will be a very familiar face <laughs> <laughs> on the royal beat. Yeah, I'm super pumped. I was at the royal wedding. First time I met you, actually, about a year and a half ago or I so. I remember it well. And、uh, I think I was in. Multiple fascinators at the time because I assume that's what everyone <laughs> did when you cover a royal wedding, right? <laughs> But they are so fun, and it was such a great chance to sort of see Harry and Meghan together for the first time as well, and sort of get the beginning in the middle of their love story and be a part of all that. It's fun to see now where they've come and be a royal family, be on tour with them. It's full circle. Exactly, we're in another chapter、mm-hmm. with them now. I think the beautiful thing about royal weddings is that they. They know how to involve the world、oh, and the public、point. in the celebrations.、Yeah. And actually, I think what's interesting—we're talking about Harry and Meghan's wedding—is I think we'll be at the same place again for Beatrice's because,、really? of course, Windsor is very much yeah, their yeah. hometown. It's where the Beatrice and Eugenie grew up.、Uh, Eugenie got married at St、mm. George's Chapel. I think Beatrice will be doing the same. That's what I'm hearing from sources. So, that would be special. Yeah, that was a really special place. You make a good point. It was such a celebration, and so many people came in from all over and talked about their love story and, and Meghan. And it was really a special moment to be a part of. It was,、um, and so yeah, this news came right in the middle of our ten-day four-country、yeah. trip of Africa. <laughs> a trip that came on the request of the Foreign Office for、mm. the Sussexes, and very much saw them flying the flag for a young, multicultural、mm. Britain overseas.、Um, and I think it was a trip that encompassed all of their focuses, all of their passions, and really got off to a somewhat unconventional start.、Mm. Because if we, I mean, it feels like. Quite hard to go back to <laughs> nine days ago. Now we're on the penultimate day. Only nine、this. days. Yeah. <laughs> But that first day in Cape Town、uh, was very、mm-hmm. different because royal tours usually start with some of the sort of pomp and ceremonial welcome that we get、uh, when the royals arrive in the country.、Mm-hmm. The red carpets rolled out at the airports, and we didn't have that this time. This、mm-hmm. was very much Harry and Meghan 
on the ground in the Nianga Township just outside Cape Town. Um, and that was very much them starting on the note that they wanted to continue for the whole trip, which was uh, interacting with all of the young people, women in the country, being on the ground, hearing the stories and being involved in the issues. Mm-hmm. But before we get into some of those issues, I just wanted to hear some of your thoughts just about how this trip has been for you, because royal tours are madness. (laughs) Madness doesn't even begin to describe the last pretty much 10 days of our lives. You know, uh, I think you have probably told me before it's kind of like a really well-organized school trip, but it's a school trip on steroids. It is bananas. <laughs> there's so many buses, there's so many media outlets, media outlets from all over the world, speaking different languages, trying to be corralled across four different countries. Different people from the British embassy would come and pick us up different places, getting so many emails, trying to organize it. I mean, I was just thankful that I wasn't behind the organization because the thought of organizing all of these different groups of media across all of these different countries makes me cry. And there was a, <laughs> there was a lot of media. I think it was yeah. 300 local media accredited wow, for this wow, trip. Wow. And then including producers and mm-hmm. sound and camera, there were 80 international um, members of the media as well, including us on this mm-hmm. trip. And I think these trips were almost, you know, for, for the public watching it, they see the great pictures, they see mm-hmm. the engagements play out flawlessly in front of the cameras, but it's very much like a duck on water. It's like gracefully gliding on the top <laughs> and underneath the feet are so just true. going a million miles an hour. I like to paint the picture. You mentioned that first engagement. That was really my first engagement on a, on a royal tour as well. I remember we show up and I was just like, holy smokes, there's a lot of cameras here. And everyone's like elbowing for position and kind of like bickering with each other. But it's friendly <laughs> bicker, but also hateful bicker because they all know each other because they've been working together for 20 years. But they're like, you're not going to get in my shot. And then you hear like it's silent. Then you hear the cheers from the crowd. And then Harry Meghan walk in and it's like, oh my God. Gosh, heck breaks loose everywhere. <laughs> it really bananas. is. And that moment builds up because yeah. long before the engagement, the children in mm. the township, we had a lot of the local community children there. The first engagement was a focus on the Justice Desk organization that teach children about their, their rights, self-awareness, safety. They also work with women to provide self-defense classes and mm. female empowerment training. So it was a very young, mm-hmm. energetic crowd that they had been yeah, the dancers? for a long time oh before their arrival. So by the time great. Harry and Meghan got there, it was just this eruption mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of excitement and cheers and applause. And I think for those two, that was exactly how they wanted to start the trip. That was that kind of warm local embrace. Yeah, you make a good point. You mentioned it's different than other royal tours or royal engagements. And what struck me uh, was when they walked in, they immediately spoke with the kids and they got kind of on their hands and knees with the kids and were interacting with them. And, you know, they gave speeches and they did kind of wave to the press, but it really was about the kids. It was about Mm, the people mm. there. And I think Harry even mentioned in his speech saying, we made a point to come to this township first for a reason. You know, this is sort of what we want to do with this tour. Exactly. Um, Part of that reason uh, was to shine a light on the um, gender-based violence and femicide crisis that South Africa is facing at the moment. It's a subject that's hung quite heavy over the country for far too long, many would say. President Ramaphosa called it a state of crisis. Um, And this was a chance for Harry and Meghan to, I guess, give a slightly different start to a tour, which was on Mm. a very deep subject. We had that warm welcome, we had the excitement, but it very quickly went into what mattered the most, which was a crisis that the country's facing. 
It's sort of interesting you mentioned that because I struggled sometimes uh, when you were when we were reporting on this because you know it's fun, it's royals, it's excitement, but it's a big but. They're talking about these super heavy issues, and so that balance of the excitement, everyone wants to meet the royals, but then also talking about these big issues that they're raising awareness about. It was a really interesting balance the whole trip. It really was, and I think in a way that's Harry and Meghan's way of uh, taking on the subjects, but also not、mm. letting. The burden of the weight that those subjects carry、mm. bring down the energy of the tour because at the same time they know that people are excited to see them、yeah. that they're there not just to talk about the issues that they're facing but also just out out of excitement yeah. of yeah. seeing people that they may have looked up to for a long time and、mm. we heard that from many people that they are they, these are two people that they do、mm. look up to Megan is incredibly popular over here I remember looking yeah, in the,、so in the、uh, supermarket before they arrived and a bunch of the magazines all had Megan on. The cover, and、wow. she's very much the hot topic,、mm-hmm. and as it is in the UK and US. But her story and the work that she does really resonates with young women here, and those young women at the moment do face a crisis.、Uh, a statistic that was released by the government recently says that around two thousand seven hundred women and a thousand children、uh, were murdered last year, and over a hundred rapes are reported to authorities every day. Ninety、mm. percent of、uh, the rapes. That go unreported;、uh, those stories are never heard.、Mm. So it's a real serious problem that the country's facing. And I thought it was very interesting to hear Meghan address that from the get-go in her first speech. I'm just going to play a little clip of that, and we'll come back. Now, I know it's not easy, and I know it must feel insurmountable at times. But your commitment to what is right gives all of us hope. Especially your brothers and sisters here in your community who need you to continue to shine your light brightly. Your commitment is inspiring, it is energizing, and it is extraordinary. You must keep going. You must know that what you're doing not only matters; it is vital because you are vital. And just on one personal note. May I just say that while I'm here with my husband, as a member of the royal family, I want you to know that for me, I am here with you as a mother, as a wife, as a woman, as a woman of color, and as your sister. I am here with you, and I am here for you, and I thank you so much for showing my husband and I the spirit of Ubuntu. And this was very much a theme that continued throughout the tour because it is something that the country is talking about.、Mm-hmm. It has been on the news agenda every day here. It's spoken about in Parliament on a daily basis. Something that we know the couple will engage in deep conversation about with President Ramaphosa on their last day. At the end of this trip,、um, and I thought it was just really interesting to hear them both speak about it. Something that struck me this entire trip too was how important it was for all the people we met on the ground. Even even just today, Megan visited University of Johannesburg, and we talked to a bunch of the women who were on campus there. These are young women; they were twenty, twenty-one years old, and all of them were saying, you know. Gender-based violence is a huge problem in this country.、Uh, violence against women, femicide, is something we live with every day. And so, Megan being here, they said, you know, her being a woman, her being a woman of color, representing them,
uh, standing with them, supporting them was huge. And you could, you could feel that they meant it, right? The weight of this problem is immense for them, but they really felt like Megan had their back and was here. And they even said, you know, representation matters. And her just being here is such a great platform to raise awareness about this issue. It really drove home. You know, they're here to try to make a difference, and the people see that and say that they feel seen because of it. And this is something that we've seen Megan take on since mm-hmm. a very young age in her activism against uh, sort of inequality between men and women. And it's a message that she's continued to drive um, and does so throughout this trip as well. This trip for her has been quite different because not only has she been here as a working royal, she's now sort of well into the groove of being the Duchess of Sussex, mm-hmm. but it was her first time on the road as a working mum. Baby Archie! Yeah. <laughs> there were three of them on this trip, yeah. and Archie very much was mm-hmm. every time, well, the one time that we saw him <laughs> was the star of the show. Um, Megan, for the first part of the trip, was based at the British High Commissioner's resident in Bishop's Court. I got to visit there one evening uh, for one of the young leaders receptions it's a beautiful estate with a beautiful view of table mountain mm-hmm. and apparently archie oh, would, would have his feed looking out <laughs> through the window over it's this incredible view <laughs> and of course they brought all of their home, home mm-hmm. comforts with him i heard that there were a lot of toys there that they brought from home and just sort of all mm-hmm. the things that make him feel probably like he hasn't gone anywhere mm-hmm. because you want to keep him comfortable the whole time that's why megan stayed with him in South Africa rather than joining Harry on his own travels. The one time that we did get to see Archie was, of course, that beautiful moment with the Archbishop Desmond Tutu. I think those pictures will be remembered for a very long time. Yeah, I think everyone outside kept referring to it as sort of this historic moment. And you could feel the excitement from all the media outside, but also people that we spoke to. Because before we saw Archie, a lot of people we met in Cape Town kept being like, well, we'll go see baby Archie. Where's baby Archie? (laughs) And so, you know, it's very, they made the pointed choice to wait until they were with such an iconic figure here in South Africa, such an important figure to uh, show their baby to the public. You know, it was a very important decision that they made and it, it became a historic moment on the trip. It was. And we got to learn a lot about his, his life and his Mm. connection with his parents on that trip. We saw Harry calling him Arch, little Arch, you're going to meet Arch, he said, (laughs) as they were walked into the offices of uh, the Desmond Tutu Mm. Foundation and also uh, Megan calling him Bubba in one of the clips. (laughs) So, and again, some of these very short snapshots that we get into Mm. their family life, they're few and far between, but when we do, it really helps us sort of feel part of their journey. You know, we were there for the birth, we were there for the wedding, and this is part of their story, and we get to continue to celebrate it. It was an engagement that may or may not have happened, Archie being, you know, just five months old uh, wasn't a guaranteed guest at that visit. Um, I heard from Palisades that they were waiting to see how he was on the morning of. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. He's like barely five months. We'll give him a break. (laughs) Exactly, but he came in with high energy, Mm. super cute. I think those clips would be. I mean, he's a cute baby. When Megan was, he was clutching onto Megan to mom like that. It was, it was, it was high adorable factor. It was. Yeah. And I think Meghan really juggled the two very well mm-hmm. because although there was a gap whilst Harry was doing his own solo mm-hmm. work, her work continued behind the scenes. She continued with engagements and meetings yeah. and uh, she spoke at the end of the trip uh, to the media about how she'd been handling motherhood mm-hmm. on the trip. And I'm going to play that clip. 
We're doing well. I, I think uh, the schedule, they've been very kind to me because everything's based around Archie's feet times. <laughs> so it's a full plate, but um, we're making it work. It's worth it. With Megan in South Africa with Archie, it was Harry who was very much on the road doing the solo work by himself at three countries it's in busy. not many days. Uh, Angola, Malawi, uh, which were official solo visits, and then on a working visit that he requested to Botswana. And you were in Angola. Mm. I think the trip sort of went in two directions and the media that were on this trip had the decision of whether to stay or to go. I stayed behind in Cape Town, moving on to Johannesburg to cover the work that Megan was doing on the trip. But you were able to join Harry for an incredibly poignant trip. It saw him return to the place where his mother started an incredible legacy of ridding the country of landmines, which are a result of uh, the country's civil war. There are still 153 parts of the country with millions of landmines in. And Harry, since 2013, has been working with the Halo Trust to help rid Angola of this epidemic. Um, It was a very moving visit Mm -hmm. for him and one that you got to see up close. Yeah, you know, we were expecting a lot from this visit. Obviously, Princess Diana, uh, those iconic, pivotal images, uh, we all kind of remember them, the one that stands out of her uh, walking down the street wearing a flak jacket with a protective mask just surrounded by signs that read danger. I mean, that defined the 90s in a sense. This is something that, you know, I grew up with. I remember growing up with that photo of her sitting next to the little girl who had lost a leg to a landmine. When you see those photos, it still brings back memories of how her work, you know, helped lead to this uh, international movement to no longer use landmines around the world. It was a major, major moment. Uh, So when Harry was going back and he was walking down that same street that his mother walked down, like quite literally in her footsteps. And today you see... It was bustling. We were on that street, and there's two schools now, which is unbelievable. Two schools. We were there. We actually heard school children playing outside, which was just really a moment. There are grocery stores. There were beautiful houses on the street. Um, And in one sense, it's almost just a boring, ordinary, normal street, which in itself is amazing. And so I knew that going into it. I knew it was going to be this incredible moment, but I actually was really surprised how emotional I felt being on the street and watching Harry in that moment when you know he also walked solo down that road. You could see how weighted this moment was for him. He called it emotional, but it was almost more than that. It was, it was emotional, it was sad, it was poignant, but it was also a celebration of his mother's work. There was so much wrapped into it. And I think all the media there really felt it. There was kind of um, a hush, almost like a lull. I was, mm. I was describing the moment to camera and even I find myself kind of whispering because you got to respect the moment. That's how impactful it was. And you mentioned the Halo Trust as well. After we we saw Harry, we also met with the Halo Trust, who Harry's working with now. And we met with some people that Harry also met with this woman, Paola, who lost her leg in a landmine about two years after Diana's visit. And to see people that now have a better life, but are also still struggling and to know the country's still struggling, the Halo Trust is still working with Harry, you know, it just reinforced the fact that his mom's legacy really was felt in that country. But as Harry said, you know, there's still more work to be done. And he's kind of dedicated himself to continuing and hopefully fulfilling that dream. It was incredibly impactful. There is a lot more work to be done. Mm. I think the country's aiming to be landmine-free by 2025. $60 million has been pledged mm-hmm. by the government to work with Uh, organizations like the Halo Trust to make that happen. But I think for Harry, this was incredibly important because, as we've spoken about, this was a mission that Diana started in 97. 
uh, it was just a few months after her death that a treaty was signed by 133 countries that introduced a ban to those weapons in Angola and across several countries. And that wouldn't have happened had it not been for Diana's visit. And so for Harry, I think it was a very proud moment. Mm -hmm. It was an emotional moment. I think, as you say, returning to that street in Huambo Mm -hmm. would have been incredibly significant to him. It's funny what you mentioned it being sort of almost a boring town. And I somewhat, I spoke to someone uh, when I was in Cape Town who had actually been to Huambo mm-hmm. in Angola. And he used the same ter- yeah. terms. He said, it's actually kind of a boring town, but in a, the most beautiful way, mm-hmm. because there are people there, especially children, who have no idea about the history of the land that, that it's on because they feel so safe. It's not a topic of discussion. It doesn't need Mm. to come up. And eventually that is the goal for all of Angola, for people not to live in fear of walking into sort of dangerous uh, landmine-filled territory. We heard from Harry himself during the trip. He spoke with uh, all of the travelling media on that trip. Um, So let's take a listen. To walk in her footsteps is is clearly quite emotional for me. Um, But I think as much as, she, as much as she did then, there is still so much to do. But without question, if she hadn't have campaigned the way that she did 22 years ago, this, would, this could arguably still be a minefield. Um, so I'm, I'm incredibly proud of what she's, what she's been able to do and meet these kids here who were born on this street um, who actually didn't, didn't even know that this was a minefield. Now, also for Harry on this trip, the issue of conservation and climate change played front and centre for him. This was very much part of his own personal agenda that he's been driving for some time. But it is an issue that the entire world is talking about. Not a day goes by without climate change being in the headlines. And I think we've really seen Harry almost pick up the baton from his father Mm. when it comes to taking on environmental issues. He's been long involved in animal welfare and conservation. But I think this subject of environmental welfare and the planet itself and the dangers that we're facing in the next 10 years is something that he's really made a push for. He himself in a Telegraph op-ed called himself a bit of a hippie for being interested (laughs) in it and he knows that people will roll their eyes and say that this is something that you, you know why are you preaching about this? I think in the essay that he wrote for the newspaper he says that he's not an expert in conservation but he points out that he's spent the last 10 years championing the cause, meeting with experts on the matter, We saw him launch uh, Travelist, which Mm -hmm. is an initiative to promote sustainable and eco-tourism around the world. He's partnered with TripAdvisor and Booking.com and some of the biggest leading industry people in that space. And so this was him continuing that work on a very public stage. Uh, You got to visit one of the African parks uh, that Harry has been sort of connected with. Mm -hmm. And... uh, yeah, it was really it was really interesting. You know, we were there. We went out on a game drive in the Mazika Nature Preserve, and the ranger that took us out—he's lived there his whole life—and he was the first person to say, you know, it's a big problem. As we were uh, driving, there was actually a massive wildfire kind of off in the distance, and he was like, "Yeah, they're common, and they are a natural occurrence, but they're getting worse and worse." That's mm. sort of uh, the problem, right? And he was like, "You know, I've lived here my whole life, and the rains are coming later and later. Drought is just such a huge problem, and you could see these massive townships not too far in the distance. You know, more and more people are also living off the land." And uh, he talked about climate change. He talked about poaching. They have a big poaching problem in the area. So all of these pressures, you get the feeling that land here is sort of being pressured on all sides. And, and so I asked him, you know, I said, 
Harry is a huge champion for conservation. Does that give you hope, right? Because he was feeling a little like there were so many pressures against his land. And his, his reaction was great. He said, you know, yeah, because I'm kind of, you know, a nobody in a sense. Like, who's listening to me when I say all these things? But Prince Harry comes here and people actually listen to what he's saying. You know, he has the ability to create change, to raise awareness, to have the world pay attention to these issues that we're having here in South Africa and throughout Southern Africa. And so that was kind of hopeful, right? It said this visit could help us even though we're a country away. Yeah, he spoke about how we need to act now or Mm. face a devastating future. And his words kind of echoed that of 16-year-old Greta Thunberg, who Mm. has, of course, been incredibly vocal almost on a daily basis. She faced a barrage of criticism after giving quite a pointed speech at the UN last week, criticising world leaders for inaction and and not protecting the environment. And this was something that Harry also backed. Mm. He mentioned her in an interview that he gave with the media on the ground and said that, you know, it is a case of acting now or facing a devastating future. He also put that response responsibility very much in the hands of young people. Of course, he is here to inspire the young. He's the president of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust, and we've seen him involved in Queen's Commonwealth activities, including the Queen's Commonwealth Canopy, which is restoring Mm. forests and creating a network of forests across the 53 countries of the Commonwealth. These are really big long-term initiatives that he's involved in, but it shows that he's in it for the long run. Mm. This isn't just about getting a headline. This is about getting a conversation going, even as he says he's not an expert in the field, but then letting people get engaged and interested in it and then introducing mm-hmm. the people that actually can make this stuff happen. I think it's interesting you mentioned his support for young people because haven't we seen that so much on this tour? I mean, I think that almost all of the engagements had an aspect that it felt like it incorporated young people, whether it be young women or young people struggling with mental health or young people struggling with poverty and conservation. I mean, that was such a focal point just that was woven throughout this entire tour. It is. And and I think for if you look across the Commonwealth, young people really do represent a high Mm. population. I think the number of people under the age of 30 outnumbers the people over the age of 30 in the Commonwealth at the moment. And that really shows the power is in the hands of the youth. Youth can do anything. They can move mountains. And that's something that Harry and Meghan have really tried to do across this trip, as you say, empowering young people and making them really believe in the fact that the small things they do can have huge consequences for the good. Um, One of the things that he did with uh, local community children during his visit to Botswana was tree planting. And this is something that I think is a staple of royal Mm-hmm. Royal tours, going back <laughs> decades, you will always have a tree planting dedication ceremony. But for Harry, this came with meaning. This was planting trees at the Chobe Forest Reserve, uh, where there has been a huge, as you say, there has been fires, devastating fires. A lot of the trees are now endangered. And so Harry brought together 200 local school children who had all planted seeds, mahogany seeds, I believe, to, that they grew into saplings. Harry planted a 10-year-old boabab tree. And uh, it was just a moment, I think, that almost just sort of ticked one of those royal tour boxes. Mm. But it was the beginning of trees being very much the unexpected stars of the tour (laughs) because we've spoken about trees a lot while we've been here. (laughs) Surprisingly, right? (laughs) Who would have thought? 
Harry actually teamed up with our friends at the National Geographic mm. to take over their Instagram accounts and launch the this hashtag cool. Looking Up initiative, mm. which is really to get people talking about trees and understanding the important, vital role that they play in the future of conservation across the world. Uh, he wanted people to share and submit their own pictures. I believe you did. We both well. posted well, we our photos. Yes. <laughs> I was, I was really hoping excited. not to mention mine because it didn't get selected <laughs> oh, no. in the it's final <laughs> I was very proud of my redwood trees. I took the photo on the last royal tour in New Zealand in Rotorua, oh. um, but it did not make it to the Sussex Royal Instagram account. I think your tree photo was very nice. <laughs> you know, I have a special relationship with trees as well, as I confided in Omid. I've loved trees forever, and I used to name all the ones in my backyard growing up. <laughs> this is so well known that when I posted my tree and told the story, my childhood best friend even commented, being like, which tree are you talking about? Like, Andrew or Francesca? <laughs> I was like, you know, Francesca was my favorite. So, Harry, I got your back. I also love my trees. And I'm really happy to see that we have some tree awareness, tree appreciation going on. Trees are pretty cool. Absolutely. Have you named a tree on this trip? <gasps> no. Let's do it right now. What should we name? I'm going to name the tree for my photo. <laughs> she says, as we're in the middle of Johannesburg, <laughs> surrounded by concrete. <laughs> no, I'm going to name the tree that I posted Archie after our favorite new baby to the royal I like family. That. Archie, you have a tree named after you now in (laughs) South Africa. (laughs) You know, I think this whole trip has really seen Harry and Meghan in a a much, them giving us a much more authentic offering of who they are. Mm. I was with them on the last trip uh, to Australia, New Zealand, Fiji and Tonga. And whilst we did see them really focus on the issues that mattered to them, they were also very much, I guess, slaves to the itinerary of the Mm. tour, which includes some of that pomp and ceremony that we see. It's the kind of waves and the balcony. And it's perhaps a little bit more regal, a bit more dressed up, a little stiffer, more ties. We know that Harry hates wearing ties. And this trip has suited him perfectly. (laughs) You're right. He spent most of it in just sort of rolled up sleeves and chinos. Mm. But again, that goes to sort of reflect the very laid back attitude of this trip, that they are here to be on the ground. Mm. Interestingly, the palace actually made a habit on this trip of not uh, telling the press of what Meghan was wearing on the engagements, which Mm. is something that we're very used to on every engagement. It's almost the first question that one of the royal correspondents will ask is like, what outfit does she have on before anything else? And Meghan herself had said that she didn't want to overshadow the issues Mm. that she was there to talk about. We saw her leave her wedding ring at home. There was no bling, uh, very simple jewellery throughout the trip. Her wardrobe itself was full of repeats uh, that we had seen before. And actually, when you look back at the coverage, there have not been many conversations mm-hmm. about clothes. It's kind of refreshing, dare I say. I mean, I actually yeah, found that myself too. Just today, I actually asked our producer as I was writing it because I uh, saw a tweet that mentioned her clothing. And I was like, oh, are, am I supposed to be writing about what she's wearing? It's like, I haven't yet. It just hasn't seemed like the focal point. Yeah. It wasn't as if I purposely ignored it. It was just... So much other thing, uh, so many other topics were being discussed. So many other headlines were coming out that it really wasn't the, the main issue. And it goes to show, I think, that really proves the weight of the stuff that they mm. were dealing with. It almost felt inappropriate to yeah. bring up the subject of clothing. Like, how dare we? Yeah, it's true. Um, these are real issues that a country faces, a, pl- a plethora of issues. I mean, it was a real gamut yeah. of... It's tough to bring up, like a J. Crew sweater when you're talking about gender-based violence. Exactly. That's tough to put together sometimes, and I think that was a really pointed uh, 
decision that they made. Exactly. And I think this also goes to show that the couple are a much more media-aware couple. Mm. I think they've always worked... They've had an interesting relationship with the press, shall we say, particularly the British media. There have been some highs, many lows. Um, but on this trip, I think they really thought about how each day was going to play out. Every day had a clear theme. Yeah, you're right. Often it's a, the hardest thing about a royal tour to sort of like put together a snapshot of that day like what was today all about mm -hmm. and actually on this trip we had a day that was focused on women's empowerment one that was focused on universal education opportunities we had harry with landmine crisis conservation yeah. each one had its own room to breathe and even mm. when megan was doing her own uh, solo work in south africa the palace made sure that we were in keeping that information embargoed As to not so not to outshine hmm. what Harry's doing. It was they very wanted, well planned. You're right. They wanted everything to play out on its own because ultimately they're here for ten days. There's a certain number of stories that they want to share with the world, and they would hate that if a moment was lost because there was a clash in schedule between the two, or mm -hmm. and so on. But I think yes, this was very much a couple in charge of their press. I think the itinerary really set the agenda for us to follow. Mm. And we saw them put out their own stories on the Sussex Royal Instagram account. I think for all of us, we had our notifications on <laughs> for Instagram because there were things happening on social media that weren't even part of the itinerary. Yeah, sometimes it was a surprise that came out. Yesterday, Megan visited Victoria Yards, which was mm. a creative community here in Johannesburg or just outside Johannesburg, where artists and uh, musicians and creators work in kind of this very sort of harmonious Uh, place uh, there's small businesses and she really wanted to go and see what it was all about see more about the artistic community here in Joburg uh, she picked up a pair of jeans <laughs> <laughs> which I love they had a little crown on the back which I guess is the artist's trademark but also very fitting he said I guess they ordered them like four weeks in advance but did you see I also left you made little dungarees for Archie I know it was I, so adorable <laughs> I so hope adorable. that we see them I know the palace have not told us whether we'll see Archie again mm -hmm. on this trip I have a sneaky suspicion that there'll be one more sighting. One more. Whether Are it's a photo no. or an engagement, <laughs> I, I think that will happen. But again, this is stuff that they've been sharing on social media, not necessarily involving the press and everything. Again, yesterday, they didn't want the media at Meghan's engagement because they wanted everyone to be focusing on Harry's final day or his penultimate day of solo work before he reje rejoins Meghan. And it's worked. If you look at uh, the Sussex Royal Instagram account, They've had about 250,000 new followers wow. just in the time that we've been here. Wow. They are slowly catching up with Kensington Royal. I think <laughs> Not that it's a competition. No, but, uh. <laughs> 0.45 million between them yeah, at the yeah, moment. Okay. <laughs> You're all winners. <laughs> exactly. Um, highlights. Oh There's my so gosh. There's too many. To think There's about. too many, Omid. Can this be my highlight? Us chit-chatting on your podcast? I will take it. <laughs> If you guys could see the room right now, you yeah. would find that very hard to believe. <laughs> okay, I do have to say, though, and this is a tough one because there were so many highlights, but you know what still is a moment that I will just forever remember? Heritage Day, Cape Town. It is this now pivotal moment in my mind because, uh, you know, as we kept, keep talking about, uh, Harry and Meghan did such a great job 
sort of incorporating everyone who lives here. Everything was about the culture of this place. Everything was about the people who who live in these countries that they visited. And um, for those you know, don't know, which myself included, I'm learning about it here. But uh, South Africa has a Heritage Day every year that is a chance to celebrate all of the diverse and unique cultures that are in South Africa. And we got to go to one of the celebrations that Harry and Meghan went to, which is the neighborhood of Bokop. And it's that beautiful neighborhood. Of, you probably recognize it from Instagram photos, but it has the beautiful colored houses along the street. And while there, there was this huge parade. And I have to laugh because my crew is probably going to know the story because all of a sudden they let me play the tambourine in the parade. There was this group of locals <laughs> and they let me play the tambourine. And I... I mean, Omen, I was in my element. I played so much that Nikki, who's here, our cameraman, was pretty much like, stop filming. It's like, Maggie, we, we have the shot. You can stop. And I was like, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for me. I got so wrapped up just in the moment of it all. And it was such a great experience. And I think that's something that Harry and Meghan were able to share by, again, having these intimate moments, right? Sharing these experiences. They also shared the culture. And as Harry put it in one of his speeches, I love, he said, you know, the challenges and the hope that you feel here in South Africa. And that was one of those moments where you kind of had it all. Well, I'm actually going to ride off the back of the coattails of Heritage Day. (laughs) Because for me, obviously we're here to tell the stories that Harry and Meghan Mm. really want to share on this trip. And I think we discover our own stories along the way. But I also think that as much as it's a a cultural experience and a learning experience for them, it also is for us. You know, Mm. I've never been to Cape Town before. It was my first time there. What a privilege to be there on Heritage Day. And it was after those Heritage Day celebrations that Harry and Meghan, of course, had spent time Mm. in the home of one of the residents living on that famous street. Uh, Sharmila Samodian had actually prepared a feast Mm, for the couple, invited them into the home, prepared lots of cakes, and they had tea together. They were able to talk a lot just about Cape Town. And it was very laid back. I think at one point, uh, one of the girls there started talking about how their families always followed the royal family and they were fans of Princess Diana. They watched Meghan on Suits. Mm. And she herself (laughs) said that, I love the fact that you watch Suits. (laughs) Because, of course, these are things that don't usually come up on trips. I think someone did try and get an autograph at the end of that. But it was was very just, it was a small personal moment. But Mm. what was beautiful about that was the family then opened their doors to some of the media afterwards and I got to go in and sort of get the same greeting and warm hospitality that the Sussexes did. They presented this amazing platter of cakes. They said that they weren't sure how hungry (laughs) Harry and Meghan would be and I would say there are about 200 small pastries of all kinds. It's better to be overprepared for the royal. I did help bring that number down. I'm sure you did. I'm very confident. these awesome little donuts. They're called Coke sisters? Oh, yes, I had them. So good. The best thing, I'm so annoyed, I'm so sad that I'll never see them again until I come back to South Africa. Because unless unless someone can tweet in and tell me, I'm not sure if there's anywhere in London that sells Oh, we need that. We need that stat. Please let us know. (laughs) But I think just that general hospitality that we've experienced throughout the trip Mm -hmm. makes it unforgettable. Mm -hmm. But also being able to experience... uh, a deeper understanding of some of the history of the country. Um, I went to the Apartheid Museum when we came here to Johannesburg, and it was a moving experience, uh, a museum that brought to life the intricacies, the devastation of the institutionalised racial segregation here in the country, and the scars of that still hang heavily over the country today. We see it around us. There isn't racial equality 
on perhaps a level that we're familiar with in South Africa, yet it's a conversation that Harry and Meghan will have with President Ramaphosa before they leave. It's one of the things they've been very interested in. Meghan herself has followed and read up a lot on the apartheid um, system before coming here. And when Meghan hosted a private breakfast with nine South African activists in Cape Town before she moved on, she met with Sophia Williams de Bruyne, who was one of the pioneers, really, when it came to that movement against uh, the apartheid movement. She had fought for women in South Africa. She was one of the youngest women that led the Women's March at just 18 years old. And these are stories that Meghan didn't want to just share with the world, but she also wanted to hear for herself. I think this has been very much a fact-finding mission for her. These are things that she says that she'll go home and almost sort of have a deeper understanding, a deeper level of empathy with people on things that she may have not experienced herself. And it goes back to what we said at the start of the podcast. They wanted to come here and hear real stories from real people. They didn't want to get wrapped up in the ceremony that we often see on royal tours. So that leaves us preparing for our farewell to Harry and Meghan. It's been <sighs> 10 days that I haven't quite got my head around yet. <laughs> it's, it's a always little on, bit of a whirlwind. <laughs> it's always on the plane back that you're like, oh, has this happened? And <laughs> you look back through the notes in your phone of all the kind of great things that mm. you were hoping to look into or whatever, and it's... It's an experience. That's what our next podcast is for, well, right? <laughs> and there will be many more tours. Uh, William and Kate, Dutch, Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, will be heading off to Pakistan yeah, later this month. We'll be talking a lot about that on the next episode. Uh, Palace will be giving mm. us a lot more details about the visit. Uh, it's an important visit for the couple, especially for the UK, as we enter into Brexit. Maybe, maybe not, depending on where things are when this goes London, out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, you know, again, this, this, this plays into that role that the royals have when it comes to soft diplomacy mm -hmm. and being apolitical, but also being part of an agenda to strengthen relationships yeah. between countries. What I have to say is this being my first royal tour, I was blown away by how actually impactful the visit really is. I think if you have never been here, you might scoff at it being, oh, a royal tour, they're just going for some pomp and circumstance, right? But to see how important it is for the people and the actual relationships that they have with the, the country leaders and the people here and the organizations that they feature, they make a difference. Mm -hmm. And also to hear from the people who are here just as well-wishers, mm -hmm. that are just excited to have Harry and Meghan on the ground. I think there are a lot of girls here. I uh, met a lot of mixed-race girls mm -hmm. on this trip that said that Meghan is someone that they can kind of see themselves in, and they've never yeah. been able to do that in the royal family before. She's someone that's changed the meaning of the word regal. The connotations mm -hmm. are different now. History has changed. Uh, you heard some great stories from some of the girls at Johannesburg University yeah, this morning. It was super impactful. I, uh, one woman we spoke to kind of said just that. She said, to see a woman in power who is a woman of color and using that power to support other women of color is something she never imagined could even happen. And um, part of it, it was almost that talking about sort of the issues of race that are still ongoing in the country and throughout the world. You know, she said um, here she often feels like black women are treated as the lowest of the low. And so again, to see someone who looks somewhat like her in such you know, a position of power, a, a member of the royal family, but still using that power to support people like her, she said it was life-changing. Absolutely. Mm. Maggie, it has been a pleasure. Oh, oh my, my new Ten best days. friend. Ten days. Definitely new best friend. <laughs>
<laughs> can't wait for more. I can't wait for you to come on more often as well.、Uh, in the next episode, we'll be going over the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge's Pakistan itinerary. We'll be looking back at some of the unseen moments from the royal tour, and we'll also be talking to one of the very special people working with the Sussexes on、uh, one of their important initiatives. So until then. Do send in your comments, your thoughts.、Uh, I'm at Scoby on Twitter. Maggie, where can people find you? At Maggie Ruley, R U L L I. <laughs> And use the hashtag #TheAirPod、uh, so we can find it. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>